It's 11 o'clock on Ben Che. Tonight's headlines. More than 50,000 Hong Kongers are confirmed to have COVID, another daily record total. Commuters will see a sharp reduction in public transport services from Friday as the pandemic hits manpower and passenger numbers. And athletes from Russia and Belarus get the go-ahead to compete at the Beijing Paralympics. Health authorities have reported another record daily number of COVID-19 infections with a total of 55,353 cases. All but 27 were local. Officials also say outbreaks were reported in 55 care homes involving more than 700 people. The hospital authorities said 117 people aged between 58 and 100 have died. 95 of them weren't, vac- 95 of them weren't vaccinated. The Center for Health Protection's Albert L urged elderly people to get inoculated as soon as possible. The majority of deaths were among elderly persons, especially those aged 80 years or above, accounting for more than two-thirds of the death cases. And we also noticed that among the elderly persons, those who had received two doses of vaccinations, their case fatality rate is much lower than those unvaccinated elderly. Health officials say large freezer containers will be set up at public hospitals to store bodies because mortuaries are reaching capacity. MTR services will be reduced and many bus routes will be suspended as the pandemic hits public transport. The changes take effect on Friday. Jimmy Choi has details. The MTR Corporation says it will cut services on most of its lines as the pandemic reduces its manpower and passenger numbers. Travellers will wait between one and four minutes longer for trains on weekdays on the East Rail, Chunwan, Kuntong Island, South Island, Changkwano, Tungchung and Tunma lines. Fewer East Rail services will run on weekends and public holidays. Meanwhile, the Transport Department says it's approved a request from bus companies to suspend 98 routes until March the 16th. The government says alternative public transport is available for all of the routes. A few routes that operate only overnight or on public holidays will also be suspended. Health officials say almost 2,000 people aged 17 or under have been sent to hospital with COVID since the fifth wave erupted. 49 needed intensive care, of whom 60% were aged 2 or under. Mike Kwan, a consultant at Princess Margaret Hospital's Pediatric Infectious Disease Unit, explained why so many infants needed treatment. They have an immature immune system. And also, these two years, our children actually have no chance encountering the coronavirus. So they cannot develop a cross-specific immunity to this coronavirus. And lastly, because our children less than two, they are not the population for vaccinations. So they have no immunity to this virus at all. So this is why when they encounter this very highly transmissible Omicron virus, the number of infections is very high, so resulting in a very high incidence of the hospitalization and also severe cases and also admission to the intensive care unit. The International Paralympic Committee has ruled that Russian and Belarusian athletes will be allowed to compete in the Beijing Winter Games, which start on Friday. Violet Wong has details. IPC officials met in the capital to discuss their response to Moscow's military action in Ukraine, for which Belarus has been a key staging area. They've decided that athletes from the two nations should be allowed to compete as neutrals under the Paralympic flag. The countries will not be included in the medals table. 
The RPC board said its decision was based on its commitment to political neutrality and impartiality, and an unwavering belief in the transformative power of sport. It said it would reconvene after the games to discuss its policies. The International Olympic Committee had recommended that sports federations suspend teams and athletes from the two countries, but added that they could compete as neutrals if time or legal constraints prevented their removal. A number of sports federations, including World Soccer's governing body, have banned teams and athletes from the two countries and also stripped them of key events. Onto the weather. It'll be mainly cloudy with coastal mist tonight and tomorrow morning, followed by sunny intervals with temperatures ranging between 18 and 23 degrees. Moderate easterly winds fresh offshore tonight. The outlook warm during the day in the next few days and misty in the morning and at night. Currently, it's 19 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity is standing at 82%. RTHK, the time is now 5 minutes past 11. More now on the coronavirus pandemic. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, has reiterated that the government has no plans for a complete lockdown to coincide with a mass COVID testing exercise set to take place this month. She says such a large-scale operation must be carefully thought out. Whenever I've been asked about it, I have said we are not imposing a wholesale city lockdown. As we know in some places, imposing a lockdown means no entry and no exit. This won't be the case for Hong Kong. But in terms of limiting the movement of individuals to a certain extent in order to reduce the flow of people, we've done this in the past and we believe it's necessary when carrying out a mass testing exercise. However, as I've already said, the extent of this must take into account Hong Kong's actual circumstances and people's needs. Several experts have questioned the planned mass testing exercise, either because of the timing or because of infrastructure issues. The vice president of the Hong Kong Society for Infectious Diseases, Wilson Lam, said the tests won't rid Hong Kong of COVID if the SAR doesn't have enough isolation facilities. And a government advisor, Ivan Hung from the University of Hong Kong, says the exercise should be conducted next month when the outbreak eases. Doing mass testing at the beginning of the epidemic is of course the best, so you can cut all transmission chains. But if you miss this chance, another opportunity is when the outbreak subsides. Then it's easier to catch all infections and you can speed up the decline. Using this method, you might be able to achieve zero cases after one week. You will also need fewer isolation facilities if you do the mass testing in early or mid-April. HKU microbiologist Hopak Lang says it's more practical to test everyone with rapid antigen tests. Health officials have locked down five buildings in Yunlong, Chengyi, Shatin, Kowloon City and Kuntong after COVID was found in sewage samples. Officials expect to wrap up the operations tomorrow afternoon. Top microbiologist Yun Kwok-yong says private hospitals have done some patients wrong by transferring them to public hospitals after they tested positive for COVID. The hospital authority says that happened to dozens of kidney patients who had been receiving dialysis at private hospitals. This story from Violet Wong. The University of Hong Kong professor and government advisor on the pandemic made it clear that's not the right move. Yun Kwok-yong says that's because public hospitals are now overcrowded and like battlefields. 
The hospital authority said 60 kidney patients who had been receiving dialysis at private hospitals were transferred to public hospitals after their COVID test came back positive. Professor Yun said private facilities should instead help public hospitals by taking in COVID patients with mild symptoms, saying their wards, just like those in public facilities, are well ventilated and their staff equipped with protective gear. He said private hospitals only need to take infection control measures like their counterparts in the public sector do when caring for COVID patients. Health authorities have been in discussions with private hospitals for them to take in non-COVID patients from public institutions. The Commerce and Economic Development says says it's begun receiving 100,000 boxes of Chinese medicine donated by the central government for the fight against COVID-19. Speaking at a ceremony, the Commerce Secretary Edward Yao thanked Beijing for its support and said the government would distribute the supplies via a community group. He said the hospital authority would also give the medication to patients at its Chinese medicine clinics and those under isolation. The DAB has proposed allowing ambulances to operate in both Hong Kong and the mainland. It's one of several proposals the party plans to make at the annual two sessions meetings in the capital, which begin on Friday. Hong Kong's member of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, the DAB's Tam Yu Chong, said the ambulance idea isn't just to ease the recent pressure on local paramedics, but to improve services in the long term. We hope to have a more efficient and better service. Right now, it takes time to hand over patients at the border for both the mainland and in Hong Kong. Sometimes with urgent cases, I think it's unsatisfactory to spend time on handing patients over. So we hope this can be done. And technically, it shouldn't be too hard. The governments just need to discuss a special passageway and licensing conditions. In Ukraine, Russia has intensified its assault on key targets in the east, south and north. Ukraine's emergency services estimate that more than 2,000 people have been killed since the incursion began. Kharkiv, Ukraine's second city, has been hit by sustained Russian rocket fire and airstrikes. In the south, Russian forces are seeking to control all the ports along the Black Sea coast. Russian troops have been seen on the streets of the city of Kherson. A spokesman for Russia's defense ministry said they'd captured the city. Russian armed forces have taken the city of Kherson under total control. Civilian infrastructure, critical infrastructure and public transport work as usual. There is no shortage of groceries or staple goods. It confirmed, if confirmed, it will be the biggest city to fall since fighting began. Ines Sovsun is a member of the Ukrainian parliament in Kiev. She says the Russian military will not stop at anything. I believe they will be using everything they have. As of now, we understand that they don't have any limits in what they are planning to do. Uh, At first, they were lying that they will not invade. Then they were lying that they would not be targeting civilian targets. So anything is possible right now. But what I need to tell you is that we are not getting more scared. People are actually getting more prepared. People are actually getting more and more uh, into action. Russians are not fighting the Ukrainian army right now here. They're fighting the whole of Ukrainian people. And uh, that is uh, the feeling here on the ground. So I've heard from not a single person that we should just give up. 
Foreign Minister Wang Yi says Beijing is ready to make every effort to help end the war in Ukraine through diplomacy. He made the pledge in response to an appeal from Ukraine's Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba for China to use its ties with Russia to help stop the military action launched by President Putin almost one week ago. Mike Weeks has more. Mr. Kuleba said Wang Yi made the promise during a phone discussion that he'd initiated on the crisis in Ukraine. The call between the two is the first to have been reported since Russia launched its attack on its neighbour last Thursday. The foreign ministry said Mr. Wang repeated China's call for a solution to the crisis through negotiations, saying it supported all international efforts that could help achieve a political resolution. Mr Wong said China's basic position on Ukraine is open, transparent and consistent, adding that it always stands for respecting the sovereignty and territorial integrity of all countries. Beijing supports all constructive international efforts conducive to a political settlement, he said. However, Mr Wang also said that China believes one country's security cannot come at the expense of another's security and can't be achieved by expanding military blocs. Russia calls its attack on Ukraine a special operation. It claims it's not designed to occupy territory, but to destroy its southern neighbours' military capabilities and capture what it regards as dangerous nationalists. Beijing, which has grown closer to Moscow in recent years, while also maintaining cordial diplomatic ties and strong trade links with Kiev, has so far refused to condemn Russia's attack on its neighbour. Police in New Zealand have broken up demonstrators opposed to COVID measures who had been camped near the parliament building in the capital Wellington for several weeks. They used forklift trucks to remove tents and mobile toilets and towed away vehicles. Some protesters set fire to the camps as police moved in. Three officers were wounded in the operation. 36 people have been arrested. The Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, said the protests had to end. It will be obvious to those who work in and around Parliament that the protest has been at times violent and increasingly fuelled by misinformation and sadly conspiracy theories. We know COVID has circulated within the protest and there have been hospitalisations as a result. Whatever point the protesters were making at the beginning was made, but it is time for it to end. And in sport, in football, the fifth round of England's FA Cup resumes overnight, with second-tier Luton Town hosting Chelsea and all Premier League ties, pitting Southampton against West Ham and Liverpool against Norwich. They're all hoping to join another second-tier outfit, Middlesbrough, and Premier League champions Manchester City in the quarterfinals. Crystal Palace also booked a last-eight place last night, but boss Patrick Vieira wasn't happy with his side's performance in their win over Stoke. The concentration wasn't at the level that I wanted. I think they wanted it more than us. But lucky for us, we, we scored the first goal and we scored the, the second one that, that gave us... Uh, the qualification, but there's still a lot to grow and to learn from from the team. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio Three.
second hour this Wednesday night, the Dying Embers, New Day Dawns, an hour or so, well, Dawn, of course, is around uh, 6, what is it, 6 a.m. today, uh, this time of the year. Jan and Dean, that was for uh, Chris, by the way, who was in touch. This was talking about happy songs, songs that make you happy. He says he always finds himself uplifted listening to Surf City by uh, Jan and Dean. He says, I want to think about the sad songs at the moment. How this all came about, folks, in case you missed the beginning of our time together in the Magical Mystery Tour, was I referred to a survey. Uh, initially, they were looking at the saddest songs ever, uh, but then I shuffled down the survey and found that they got the happy stuff at the bottom, which is good. You know, start off pretty miserable and then cheer yourself up by the time you get to the end of it. Uh, I'll do you the top three for both. I won't play the top three saddest songs. I'll play you the saddest song according to their survey, just the one. Uh, and I will play you the top three of what they reckon, according to the survey, were the happiest three songs recorded. It wasn't this one either, by the way. I think there'll be no surprises if you look at the happy songs. According to us, 2,000 people, I think, in a survey. This one is Maxine Nightingale. 